It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, (laughs) Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at Play Like a Jet 1. And I am joined for the Jets-Patriots Monday Night Football pregame report By the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, I'm just glad that you and I see eye to eye on eggs being an awesome breakfast food because I would hate for you to block me on Twitter. Hey, listen, you're going to get on the timeline and slander eggs and that's it for you. That's, that's, That's absolutely it. And that's a line that cannot be crossed and there's no turning back from it. uh, Eggs are amazing and wonderful, and I can eat them all day, any time of day, and in 700 different ways, and I will either block you on Twitter or hunt you down and fight you if you slander eggs on my timeline. No argument for me. I love eggs, and not only do I love eggs as breakfast food, I also love to use them when I bake. So I got nothing against eggs. I'm pro-egg. I don't think you're going to be blocking me on Twitter for that. You may block me on Twitter at some point for a pizza disagreement, but not about eggs. But our pizza disagreement pales in comparison, Chris, to the disagreement going on right now between Colecchio Semele and the New York Jets. To paraphrase one of the great pro wrestlers of all time, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, what in the bluest of blue hells is going on here, Chris? Oh, boy. This is a big giant mess that's really hard to sift through and try to figure out. Um, you know, I saw it and I started looking into it, and there's some inconsistencies in the stories here. There's some things that don't add up and don't seem to make sense from me, uh, uh, from my point of view, on both and either side. So it's uh, it, I'm not going. My normal inclination in these scenarios is usually the kind of. Uh, not trust the team at all and just kind of assume they're doing something shady here. But with this seeming like this is just a pre-existing injury from when he was in Oakland and he was taking Toradol shots the whole time. And now the Toradol shots just aren't working. I don't know that I, I don't, I don't know. There's this feels, we were talking off air before we started. This feels like there's a piece of information missing. Um, and a piece of information missing that'll make it make sense to all of us. Like when we were talking about Quinn and Williams holdout um, during training camp, and we didn't understand the big difference about delaying a million until next year or whatever. And then it came out, well, he was an Alabama resident. His first contract he signs, he gets to claim with Alabama taxes. And it was like, oh, okay, now this makes all the sense in the world. 
I feel like we're missing that type of piece of information right here that will swing it one way or another. Uh, also, the timing of it, of course, it pops up. All of a sudden, the tour all starts working right as he's getting benched. Um, so there's there's a lot to it. And then I also what I said to you is feels like when I go into watching any of these um, how to make a mur- how to make a murderer documentaries any of these murder documentaries I sit down I get excited to watch it but I'm like I am not going to believe a single person in here I don't believe the person who they're saying is is guilty but I don't believe the cops who are saying he's guilty either I don't believe anybody it all sounds suspicious and I know they all have their own motives to protect so it's it's hard for me to buy in and believe anybody and that's what this whole situation feels like right now i don't get what the jets would how the jets would benefit out of picking this fight if they didn't have a leg to stand on uh i guess i could get it what kalichi gets out of it a little bit more so there's some piece of information missing right now but it you know people are worried about how this is going to make the jets look how it all this this stuff happens a couple some occasionally with teams and players move on and players forget about it and then the new team will do something else to the new player and we'll be talking about that and in the end the free agent's going to go wherever the the money's the biggest so i don't think this is anything to be concerned about long term about how future free agents are going to look at the jets and how they're going to look at joe douglas this becomes an alarming trend growing, then sure, down the road maybe, but right now I don't think it's going to have that type of impact. Credit to Connor Hughes over at The Athletic, who I think has done some really nice reporting on this, getting both sides of the story. Here's what he's got. He says, The surgery-non-surgery question, a source explained, likely centers around Assembly's $9.85 million base salary for this year and the unpaid $5.79 million that is remaining. The contract which the Jets inherited when they traded a fifth rounder to the Raiders for Assemble this offseason no longer has any guaranteed money on it. But if Assemble had season-ending surgery and landed on IR, the Jets would be required to pay him his entire base salary, known as Paragraph 5 in an NFL contract, despite the fact that Assemble, according to a source, initially endured the injury for another team, that of course the Oakland Raiders, and entered this season aware of the ailment. While the Jets could conceivably cut Assimilate any time on a contract lacking guaranteed money, he'd be allowed to file for termination pay because his release occurred after week one. He's a vested veteran and he's never filed for termination pay before. If the Jets fine Assimilate for conduct detrimental to the team, which they've now done based on the fact that he did not practice on Saturday, he would not be allowed to file for termination pay. Instead, after the fine, he would need to file a grievance. 40% of his cap hit, $4.2 million of the $10.5 million, would be put on hold until said grievance is heard. Connor also had from Assembly's agent Andrew Kessler that his client is dealing with a torn labrum in his shoulder and is unable to play because of the pain level. Kessler says there is no debate regarding the injury and that the second doctor who evaluated Assembly said the need and timing for surgery is based on his symptoms and they require surgery ASAP. Jets doctors Kessler confirmed provided Assembly with Toradol before each start to numb his pain and allow him to play. Those narcotics weren't efficient, though, which is why Assemble prefers surgery. He knows how he feels, Kessler said. So you can really dive into this and try and figure this out. As you said, Chris, it feels like there's a piece of this missing. But from what I can gather, it seems like Assemble had this injury when he was with the Raiders. He came to the Jets with it. He probably downplayed the severity of it. The suspicious thing here, as you and I talked about even before we started recording, is that all of a sudden when Assemble loses his starting spot, now the pain is unbearable and the Toradol is not working and he needs surgery. I'm not saying that he's lying. I'm just saying it's definitely suspicious. So when you're evaluating both sides of this story, keep that in mind. With the Jets, what they're probably thinking is that Assemble is trying to use them because, again, if he's going to be benched now, he can say, I need this surgery. I'm not going to play anyway. Let me get this surgery now when I'm with the Jets. 
get all healed up and rested, get paid for the rest of the year. And then when the Jets release me, which everybody I'm sure is assuming is going to happen at this point, he can try and go somewhere else and get paid and already be fixed up. With the Semele side of this, if he's at the point where he feels he legitimately needs the surgery and he was being pressured to play when he shouldn't be playing, then he's feeling like, okay, the Jets are not going to take care of me the way that I'm supposed to be taken care of, even though I went out there and played hurt for them. And so I should be able to get the surgery and have the Jets take care of it. So it's really complex. I think both sides have some stuff here that could be questioned. It's really hard to say what's really going on here. My personal feeling is that, as you said, Chris, the Jets don't really have anything to gain by picking this fight unless they felt they had a leg to stand on. They must feel like Assemble is trying to use them here, take money, and then go elsewhere once they've paid for the surgery, even though, again, that injury occurred before he got to the Jets. And from Assemble's standpoint, he probably feels like the injury wasn't as bad before he came here. By trying to play through the pain, it got to the point where he needed the surgery. And so the Jets should do the right thing by him. That's his viewpoint. I don't really know who to believe here. But this is going to be interesting to monitor over the next couple of days, Chris, because there's been leaks coming out from both sides all over the media, and that's going to continue. And I have a feeling that, as you said, there's a piece here that we're missing, and at some point we're going to get that piece because eventually we found out about the Quinn and Williams Alabama taxes part of the equation. There's something here that we're not hearing, and somebody at some point is going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and, and like I said, that with – from the Jets side of things, I'm not sure why they would what they would get out of it from trying to delay surgery, except for having him as a, a depth piece. But if, especially if his shoulders messed up, why would they want that that bad? It's not like he was good even to start the season. Um, but for I would think, and again, uh, this stuff gets all confusing and convoluted, and there's so many little details to this stuff; it's hard to keep up with. But I would think they'd be better off just being like, hey, you know what? Get the surgery. He'll be ready. And then we can cut you in the offseason where if they make him wait until after the season to get surgery, they might, depending on how surgery goes, how long it takes, they might not be able to cut him. I know you can waive players, but this stuff gets so confusing. I just don't see the benefit of the Jets being like, hey, stay why you can't uh, really produce, but stay as a death piece for us instead of just getting the surgery. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. There's something missing. Um, we'll find out eventually. Obviously, he's going to file a grievance, so we'll end up f- figuring out what happens once the grievance is ruled on. But, again, I just don't think it's anything to really concern yourself long-term about how people will look at the Jets um, you know, look, look at Washington and what they did. And they were still able to get Landon Collins last year because you know why? They gave Landon Collins more money than everybody else. Chris, there are plenty of other injuries besides Coleccio Semele, and we're going to get to those in a second. But first, the Patriots have some injuries too. Josh Gordon is not going to play. This is big for the Jets, Chris, because we know what an Achilles heel that secondary is for this team. Chris, a couple of weeks ago, everybody was wincing at the idea of the Jets having to face a wide receiving core with Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's been gone for a while now. Gordon's not going to play. Edelman will play, but this is a big blow to the Patriots. It's Tom Brady, so I'm sure he'll find a way around it, but this is nice for the Jets because, as we said, they need all the help they can get when it comes to being able to cover the opposing team's wide receivers and not having the most dynamic guy in that passing attack in that game is going to help the Jets a lot. Yeah, there's no Josh Gordon. There's also neither of their tight ends, Ryan Izzo or Mm -hmm. Matt Lacoste. Uh, you know, Edelman's going to play, but he's been a little banged up too. This offense, they have all types of uh, new guys on the offensive line because the center's out, left tackle's out. Uh, this offense is not good right now. And we've, we've seen this a lot with, and I'm talking about the Patriots offense. It's just not good. It doesn't scare you right now. And we've seen this with the Patriots, especially at the beginning of the season where sometimes the 
things don't look right and everyone starts to question them. I, I'm not going to doubt that they don't that they the Patriots will turn it around by the end of the season and the playoffs and make their usual playoff run. I'm not going to do that. But right now in this moment, that this week on Monday night, I'm not scared of this offense and the the Jets defense still has some problems. But you said uh, the cornerbacks obviously the biggest one. Uh, Edelman's the only real concern there in, in this matchup. This offense does not it should not scare Jets fans and should not scare the Jets at this particular moment right now. We'll get into this more during our keys to the game, but make no mistake about it. Not having those tight ends, not having Josh Gordon, going to be a huge boon for the Jets, especially when it comes to their chances to cover the spread if you're betting on this game. If you haven't made that wager yet, you might want to do it now. I have a feeling the Lions are going to continue to tilt towards the Jets' favor as we approach kickoff later tonight. And so you want to get the maximum amount of points if you're going to make this bet. And if you're going to do it, do it with mybookie.ag because if you use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get your first deposit doubled. That's right. They will match your first deposit when you sign up over at mybookie.ag. You can bet on the Jets on the money line if you're feeling especially frisky, or you can take them with the points. You can do the over-under. You can bet on whether or not Sam Darnold is going to outperform Tom Brady. You can bet on whether or not Le'Veon Bell is going to have his first 100-yard rushing game of the season, and so much more. Go over there right now, mybookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get your first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. And with that, Chris, I want to talk about the injury report, and we're going to bring Dr. Stoller in to expand upon it in just a couple of minutes. But it looks like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, Albert McClellan, not going to play. Henry Anderson, Kelvin Beecham, Trenton Cannon, Chris Herndon, Neville Hewitt. Those guys are not going to play. Their list is doubtful, but they're not going to play. And then it looks like Nate Hairston is going to come back. Alex Lewis, there was some question there. It looks like he's playing, which is very good news because he's the best offensive lineman on the team. Steve McClendon looks like he's going to come back. Daryl Roberts should play. C.J. Mosley, we know that he's going to be back. Brian Winters and Demarius Thomas list is questionable, but it looks like they're going to play too. Ryan Khalil, that's the one that seems to be up in the air. I'm getting the impression that Harrison is going to end up playing at center against the Patriots, but he is listed as questionable, so I guess it's not out of the question. Chris, run through this for me, please. Am I wrong with any of this, or did I hit the nail on the head as far as who's playing and who's not? Uh, you got everything except I, I the Ryan Khalil thing. I think uh, my guess is he's still going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gase came out on Friday telling us that he wasn't going to practice, and then he went and he practiced later that day, and he practiced again on Saturday, and he's listed as questionable. Uh, so if I'm if I'm uh, betting on whether he's playing, I'm betting that he's playing. Um, now. I don't know, obviously don't know the severity of the injury, so maybe he starts the game, Jonathan Harrison has to come in, but I'm, I'm gonna, I think he's probably going to play right now. That would be my guess. Everything else, you got it. Uh, Nate Harrison was uh, a DNP all week, and then he's, he was limited on Friday and Saturday and is now listed as questionable. Um, so, you know, that's probably one of those things where they'll test him out before the game, and if he's good to go, then he can go. Um, but everybody else you mentioned, McClellan, Henry Anderson, Beecham, Canning, Chris Herndon, Neville Hewitt, and Osemele, obviously, they were solid DMPs all week long. Uh, they're not going to play. So the, the, the only two question marks really to me are Nate Harrison and Ryan Khalil. Uh, but right now, if, if I'm forced to bet on them, whether they're playing, I'm taking them playing. And with that, we will delve a little bit deeper into the injuries with our medical expert, 35-year orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Steven Stoller. Doc, how goes it today? Uh, Pretty good, Scott. I know that this should be an interesting podcast since there's a lot of polarization over uh, Kelechi Osemele, and um, I'll be ready to discuss that when you are. Earlier in the show, Chris and I talked about our thoughts on the Kelechi Assimile situation, and we're both confused because there's information coming from all over the place, and it's really hard to know what to believe. What Chris and I both agreed on, though, is that there's a piece missing here. 
I don't know what it is, but there's something missing that's going to come out that's going to make this a little bit clearer. The Quinn and Williams situation was something we referenced where we were wondering why this holdout was going on, and it turned out it was because of the Alabama tax situation. I wanted to throw this to you, Doc, because you know this injury very well, and you have an expertise on this that most people that are opining on it don't have, and certainly that Chris and I don't have. Tell me your thoughts on the Coletia Semele situation and the injury in general. Okay, before I get into the injury, I'd like to um, discuss the misconception that the Jets are forcing them to play against medical advice. And, uh, you know, I know, I know the doctors or some of the doctors on the Jets staff, and they make the final decision. And the Jets cannot override their final decision. And if the Jets did override a decision of the medical staff, I know one of the physicians in particular would just resign immediately. And I know physicians from all over the country that are team physicians would do the same thing. In addition to that, there isn't a physician, no orthopedic surgeon that would uh, risk the liability of telling a patient he has to go back um, against, you know, sound medical advice, um, or would they want to be reprimanded by the state uh, medical board and potentially lose their license? So I think these are serious accusations that uh, is, you know, now being discussed that they think the New York Jets are either not listening to the medical staff or that the medical staff is being forced to make a decision uh, based on what the jet team wants them to. So that is definitely a misconception. So if I clear that up, then I think then it becomes a little bit easier, you know, to understand or maybe to side one way or the other. As far as the injury is concerned, he has a torn labrum in the shoulder and the labrum acts as like a suction cup for the ball and socket joint as well as a ligament to stabilize the joint. So when it's torn and it, it forms in the socket in 360 degrees, so whenever you hear of a tear, it's only part of the shoulder where it's torn, and most commonly it's in the front. So if that's torn, then the ball in the socket joint can slip uh, forward and cause irritation of the rotator cuff of the bursa and cause some discomfort. This usually occurs in a position where the arm is straight up in the air and behind the ear, such as a pitcher's position or throwing athlete. So what is commonly uh, done or tried before surgery is putting the patient in a shoulder harness. And a shoulder harness is very common now. And in particular, there are two companies, Don Joy and Douglas, who manufactures uh, shoulder pads that put a cuff around the upper arm. As I mentioned in the past, that you see um, Cashman and Winters wearing at this time, uh, that prevents the arm from going into a position that may cause the player any discomfort. And they can uh, potentially play through a season. And there are nine to 12 different companies that manufacture uh, similar shoulder harnesses where hundreds of them are being sold each year. So, you know, from the amateur, you know, collegiate, high school, and even the professionals, they're wearing them with torn labrums and are able to play through the season. And then the decision is made to have the ligaments repaired, which is something that's not uncommon. It would be more difficult for a throwing athlete, you know, such as a quarterback or a pitcher uh, to continue than it would for, you know, other positions. So, it, I haven't read anywhere where that has been tried, so I have to 
side more with the Jets having a complaint um, than I would against them. So being that said, um, I hope this clears up, you know, some of the confusion. The other thing I have to add is that, you know, I discussed this with my son who played collegiate football and I forgot that he had a torn labrum and he did finish the year as you know, a running back. Um, and I saw him play against, uh, Navy and, uh, where he ran in for two touchdowns and caught another touchdown, uh, without any difficulty. So he made it through the year and then decided that since football was over and he wasn't going into the pros that he didn't want to have surgery and he participates in multiple activities without any problems. You know, one of the things I've also been hearing, and I guess it's from, you know, ex or current football players, you know, um, how tough they are. And if they have this, you know, problem, like who's tougher than they are, that they, you know, to question you know, whether or not they're injured. Um, and I and I have to agree that they definitely are tough. But Scott, as you know, um, I've treated a multiple of professional um, boxers throughout my you know career, and several of them have torn labrums and were able to fight through it until uh, the fight was over, and then they had elective surgery at that time. So you know they're tough. And they were able to uh, participate in a professional fight. So maybe that also adds some information to it. No question about it. And as Chris and I said earlier, we're both in agreement that something is going to come out that's going to shed even more light on this whole situation sometime over the next couple of days and probably over the next couple of weeks. So I'm curious to see where this leads. But beyond Coletio Semele, Doc, there are a ton of injuries that we need to discuss because they play a huge factor in whether or not the Jets are going to be able to beat the New England Patriots later tonight, which, by the way, is a game that you should definitely consider going to if you don't have your tickets yet. I'll be there. I know it's going to be a raucous crowd, and I know that the Jets are going to need as many rabid fans as they can get at this game. So if you were thinking of going, you're on the fence, you haven't bought your tickets yet, got to go out and get your tickets. And the best place to do that is with Vivid Seats, because right now, if you use the promo code OVERTIME, when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, you can get up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase, which could be tonight's game between the Jets and Patriots. Plus, when you sign up, you automatically get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, which will help you enormously down the line when you're looking to go to major events in the area. WrestleMania was here recently. Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones were here recently. So it's not just sporting events. It could be concerts. It could be wrestling shows. It could be just about anything. You want to have the Vivid Seats mobile app so that you don't get shut out of any of the major events that you're looking to go to down the line. Every ticket purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so you know it's legit. So don't miss out on this great opportunity, which you can cash in tonight if you want to go see the Jets and Patriots. Go download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your first purchase. And Doc, as I said, there are plenty of injuries beyond Coleccio Semele that are going to have a major impact on tonight's matchup between the Jets and the New England Patriots. So let's go through these. Let's start with the guys that look like they're not going to play later tonight. Henry Anderson, Kelvin Beecham, Trenton Cannon, Chris Herndon, Neville Hewitt, and we already talked about Kalechi Assembly. Let's start with Henry Anderson. What do we know about that injury, and how much longer do you think it's going to be before Henry Anderson comes back? Well, Henry Anderson, from what I understand, has a grade one uh, AC separation, the, the joint that's on top of the shoulder. And it, you know, as we mentioned last week, it's mostly um, a pain consideration. So, you know, having him in a brace, taping, putting padding underneath his shoulder pad, I would think that he is close to returning if not being able to play um, against the Patriots. How about Kelvin Beecham? Okay, Kelvin Beecham, you know, is um, has an ankle sprain. And Generally, after a week or two of having an ankle sprain, pain is not the issue because they can be braced and they can be, you know, comfortable within the brace. 
what ends up happening, and especially, you know, big athletes such as himself, the force that's required to sprain the ligaments and the ligaments hold the joint together are not the only uh, tissues that are injured during the injury. The force that's required to injure the ligaments also injure the soft tissues. And that includes the capillaries, which are the small blood vessels, and the lymphatic system that brings fluid back up from the leg and back into the heart. So swelling is a big issue and probably would keep the players out longer uh, than pain. And, you know, to make an analogy, if you magnify this by, let's say, a million and you have the uh, traffic going from the George Washington Bridge, Lincoln Tunnel and Holland Tunnel, if you block one of the accesses to getting into New York or getting out of New York, you're going to have a traffic jam on all the highways that lead into it. And the same thing happens with um, returning blood back to the heart. And eventually these, uh, you know, highways that bring the fluid back to the heart will re-engineer themselves into other pathways. So that takes time for an ankle swelling to reduce. So I uh, hope that analogy makes some sense to everyone. And um, and that's probably why he's not playing. Chris Herndon, what's the story with him? We were hoping he was going to play. Do you think he'll be able to go next week? Uh, you know, from what Adam Gay says, it was, you know, a small uh, hamstring strain. So, you know, I think he certainly should be able to play. Um, by next week but you know again it has to do with um, pain and getting his range of motion and strength back without um, re-injuring the healing process or aggravating the healing process how about neville hewitt Um, he has two injuries he has a neck and a knee i don't know which one is the predominant reason for him not returning Um, i would know this that if it is neck is injured and he has a structural, uh, you know, defect based on the MRI, um, he certainly would be out for the season. So I think that that's probably clear. So it's probably a muscle spasm. And as for his knee, uh, you know, I haven't heard of any structural, um, you know, defect or injury. So um, I think both of these are just a matter of, you know, pain tolerance and reducing um, the inflammation in those areas. Trenton Cannon. He has a foot injury, you know, uh, specifically, I don't know what part of the foot is injured. Um, but, you know, obviously, since you put a lot of stress on the foot, um, that that will be, you know, painful. It's a significant weight-bearing uh, portion of the body. And um, I have no further information, but, um, you know, I'd be certain now when he's able to run and cut that he would be able to return. Should also mention that Albert McClellan, the linebacker, is out. He's going through concussion protocol, so that's standard operating procedure. We know that C.J. Mosley, who is listed as questionable, is going to play, so we don't have to worry about that. Let's go through some of the rest of these. Doc, we know what the recurring problem is with Demarius Thomas. You've talked about that a bunch. It's the hamstring issue, but he is expected to play. Let's talk about the offensive line, though. Kelvin Beecham not playing. Alex Lewis is expected to play. Ryan Khalil seems to be up in the air. What do we know about those two guys? Well, Alex Lewis is listed as a neck injury. And, you know, I don't know the results of the MRI, but I know that they were positive, uh, revealing any structural you know, defect as a herniated disc or spinal stenosis, that he would be immediately out for the season. So I don't believe that that's occurring, and it's probably a neck spasm, which is causing discomfort. And if that's able to be controlled, then I think he would be able to uh, play. Uh, Ryan Khalil has a shoulder injury. I don't see any reports of any structural um, damage. So he probably has information, inflammation around the shoulder, uh, possibly including the uh, bursa. So if that's 
uh, inflammation is reduced and is, uh, he doesn't have much pain, then he should be able to uh, return. Also on the offensive line, Doc, Brian Winters. He's expected to play. It seems like he's been banged up all year, and you've talked about this before, but you notice something that makes you think that he's hurt a lot worse than they're letting on. He's been hurt with his shoulder since preseason. And being that this is now almost a chronic problem, uh, and he's been, and I've seen him wear a shoulder harness, which I've mentioned before, it looks like a uh, blood pressure cuff on his upper arm of the shoulder that he's injured, and it protects him from moving into a position that may cause him pain. Uh, so I think that he may have something similar to Osimile, and I would imagine that once the season is over that he'll probably have um, elective surgery to repair the labrum or ligaments that are loose in his shoulder. We talked about Nate Hairston last week. We know it's a knee, but we don't know anything beyond that. So I guess they're just going to see how he feels on game day. Steve McClendon and Daryl Roberts both expected to play. What do we know about those two? Steve McClendon has a hamstring injury. Um, I don't know the severity of the injury. So, you know, it's questionable whether or not he can return. You know, his being able to return will do to, uh, you know, whether the um, hamstring is not giving him any pain, whether he has full flexibility and uh, strength to allow him to return. So, you know, being that I don't know um, the degree of the hamstring injury, um, I guess we'll have to see. I know he's in limited practice, so it can't be um, that severe. And um, hopefully he'll be back in the next week or two. A lot of injuries this week for the Jets. A lot of guys coming back. A lot of guys that are not going to be playing. It's going to be interesting to see the type of toll that this takes on the team. But fingers crossed it doesn't impair their chances to beat the Patriots or at least be competitive too much. Doc, as always, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to ask you more questions about Assemble or any of the other injuries, where can they get a hold of you? Steven Stoller, MD, on uh, Twitter, or The Aging Athlete on Twitter. And I'd be glad to answer any questions that anyone might have. Thanks, Doc. Great job, as always. You make us feel so much smarter, not only as Jets fans, not only as football fans, but as human beings. Because we're just a bunch of cavemen who have been unfrozen, and this world confuses us, and you help us understand these medical injuries. If anybody doesn't understand what I just said, go Google unfrozen caveman lawyer. You will laugh. Phil Hartman was a very funny man on Saturday Night Live. As we now get to our keys to the game, Chris, let's talk about this. The first key is something that I want to touch on that we talked about earlier, and that is what Greg Williams does with this defense because Josh Gordon is not going to be in there. Those tight ends are not going to be in there. We know that Tom Brady lives on the precision passing, and I'm sure they're going to go at Edelman a lot, but I think that James White is going to be huge in this game because they love to use those running backs out of the backfield. So I think that one of the keys to the game here is going to be Greg Williams' ability to take away those easy routes to the running back, the wheel routes and such that James White is capable of. He's one of the more underrated players in the league. He can beat you in a bunch of ways. He's not going to get you 60, 70 yards or any kind of explosive plays, but death by a thousand cuts. So I think one of the keys to the game is going to be Greg Williams being able to take away those types of plays from the Patriots yeah the again this offense looks vulnerable right now it doesn't look great right now there's two there's two players I'm really concerned about uh I would bracket Julian Edelman and I would bracket James White everywhere he goes I got at least two people just following him around and uh, I might even get a third on J James White depending on where they're uh leaking him where he's coming up uh Obviously, you still got to worry about uh, their running game and Sony Michelle a little bit. But in the passing game, I'm just really fo putting all my focus. Um, you know, I know Jacoby Myers has looked uh, a little bit good at times here and there. But I'm just going to say I'm not letting Julian – you know, the Belichick thing. Belichick stops your best weapon, the opposing offense's best weapon. He takes that away. Well, I'm going to take away Julian Edelman, and I'm going to take away James White. 
and I'm going to let Jacoby Myers and whoever else they're throwing out there because uh, I'm going to let them try to beat me with, with those guys because those are the two guys that, scare, that could be scary on the plays. Um, but knowing that they're the only two guys, yeah, again, right now for this week, this offense just it shouldn't be scary. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's stick with the defense, Chris, for key to the game number two. And that is, and I always love the opportunity to do this because I grew up a Billy Joel fan. I'm still a fan of the man. So one, two, three, ball pressure. Jets got to get some pressure on Tom Brady. That could come from the defensive line, Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, Kyle Phillips, Foley Fadakasi. Those guys all played really, really well against the Cowboys and got to Dak Prescott a lot. They only had one sack, but they were in his face for the majority of the day. Even if they don't necessarily sack Brady, if they can get in his face like that, the way they did against Prescott, it could be a big factor here because we know that that's how you get Tom Brady off of his game is you disrupt his rhythm. If you can do that, you can give yourself a chance to at least contain him in this passing attack, especially since, as we already said, Chris, There's not a lot of weapons that are healthy right now for this Patriots offense. So whether it comes from the safeties and they deploy Jamal Adams creatively, whether they do some stuff with Jordan Jenkins on the outside, or more likely whether that defensive line can get in there without blitzing, they've got to get some heat on Tom Brady. Your Jets fans, you know the drill. How many times have you listened to previews and matchups about the Patriots? Have you heard... The way to beat the Patriots is to rush with four and get inside pressure. Well, the inside pressure still holds up. The rush with four, I don't know that that's that important this time because normally you have to rush with four because they have so many weapons for Tom Brady to get the ball out all over the field really quickly to any of his seven different weapons he can throw to. Right now, with just those two real concerns, the the pressure with only four doesn't seem to be as important. I feel like the Jets can get away with more blitzes, bringing five and six um, on plays, and just worry about those two guys mostly. So that will make it a little bit easier here. But absolutely, of course, you have to uh, you have to pressure Brady. You have to hit him. You have to rattle him. You have to make him uncomfortable. You have to start making him see and feel ghosts because he is human in that way. Every quarterback can be gotten to in that way if you get to him enough repeatedly. Um, but, I, I, again, this offensive line's not in the best shape. Uh, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but he's getting older. He doesn't move around quite as well as he used to. I think that they can apply some pressure on Brady uh, easier than they normally can. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball now. And our third key to this matchup is obviously the arm of Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold can play the way that he did against the Dallas Cowboys, where he showed you all the tools in his toolbox, the ability to make accurate throws on the run, to make accurate throws when his feet weren't set, to be precise on routes, to be able to throw into tight windows, to read defenses, to recognize protections, all of that. He did all of it against the Cowboys. If he can do that against the Patriots, we know how great this Patriot defense has been, but they've only faced one really good quarterback this year, and that was Ben Roethlisberger before he got injured. There have been a lot of quarterbacks that have been kind of soft touches for them the rest of the way. Can Darnold be the one that finds a way to get the better of this Patriots defense? If he's going to do it, he's going to have to be at least somewhere close to where he was against the Cowboys. And we're going to get into another key, but it'll involve Bill Belichick. And that will also play a big role in just how successful Sam Darnold is. But I think, Chris, we can both agree that the play of Sam Darnold and his ability to navigate this offense is going to be, if not the most important key to this game, certainly right at the top. Yeah, look, Belichick was uh, was praising Darnold uh, for his ability to see earlier in the week. So the fact that Darnold has two working eyes is a big <laughs> a big plus in Belichick's uh, book. Um, but I was laughing at a. Uh, earlier in the week, I saw people on Twitter talking about how the Patriots haven't played anybody. Uh, the defense hasn't played against any good offenses yet. And then somebody, an angry uh, Patriots fan chimed in, oh, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't count. And I just, in my head, I was like, no, he doesn't. And it's that's not a knock on Ben. That's a knock on Ben and the Steelers against the Patriots. Because the Patriots always have the Steelers number. So that doesn't really count. Uh, but yeah, playing against the other teams they played against, you know, the Dolphins and the Giants. Uh, I do believe this defense is a, a really good, elite, maybe the best defense in the league. But they haven't been tested these last five weeks. That I think we can all agree on that. I think even Patriots fans can agree that they haven't been tested. Uh, so it would have. This would have been a huge game to get Herndon back. Would have really liked that. Uh, earlier in the week, I said, get Herndon and Mosley back, and I'm going to pick the Jets to win this game. Uh, but her being able to add that to the equation would, would have been really nice for Sam Darnold and this team. But they, you know, they're going to have to make do with what they have. They're going to have to hope the offensive line holds up because the Patriots do get a lot of pressure. And of course, Stefan Gilmore in the back, uh, covering Robbie Anderson. And the other corners and safeties, they got they got good elite playmakers in that defense, and they can mess up an an offensive game plan really quick. So, Gase is going to have to be sharp. Sam Darnold's going to have to be sharp. Le'Veon Bell is going to have to be sharp. The receivers can't be having drops, can't be having penalties, and getting themselves into these you know first and fifteens or third and fifteens. <clears throat> you, they have to be sharp. They have to be on their p's and q's. All those cliches you want to type off. They, they want to. They have to be that if they're going to be able to win against, to be able to score points against this defense. And that leads into our next key to this, which is Adam Gase's game plan, because we know that Bill Belichick is always playing high level grandmaster chess. Can Adam Gase match him with his offensive game plan and adjustments? Because we know that not only is Bill Belichick the master of game planning, he's the master of adjusting on the fly. So if at some point, say, Bill Belichick's defense is confusing Darnold, is Gase going to be able to come up with a way to counterbalance that? If he can, and if Darnold can play well, 
and if they can adjust if things aren't going well early on, then the Jets will be able to have a good chance, I think, to stay in this game over the course of the entirety of the game in all four quarters. But it's going to be imperative that Adam Gase not only has a good game plan, but is able to adjust if that game plan isn't working, and if Belichick is making adjustments to stop whatever it is that does work early on. This is always the case, but Gase is the one who is known as an offensive innovator and an offensive genius. He's also had reasonably decent success as a head coach against Bill Belichick with the Miami Dolphins. So this is where he's going to have to start showing you what he's made of as an offensive play caller and as an offensive mind. Yeah, the the whole argument for in Gase's behalf about his time in Miami and then coming here was... He didn't have the weapons to allow him to run the offense he wants to run. He wanted to run in Miami. He just didn't have it. And you look at last week against Dallas, and that's a big old feather in the cap for that argument. That makes you think, huh? Okay, maybe he, maybe there's something to what he was saying. Now it's only one game. He's going to have to prove that over a lot more uh, for us to fully uh, buy into that. But if you do buy into that or if you're willing to even just suspend disbelief for now, then really uh, Belichick might be at a little bit of a disadvantage here because he's really got one game of tape to look for out of what to expect from an Adam Gase and Sam Darnold-led offense. Uh, if, if you think that Adam Gase's offense in Miami was watered down because of the talent, then he didn't put out a lot of tape out there that he of stuff that he's going to be using with Darnold. It's really a lot of just this one game of tape there for him to work with. So there could be a whole bunch of things in Adam Gase's playbook that Belichick hasn't seen. Now I could be giving him too much credit. I'm not. I'm saying this is just a possibility. So maybe it's just a handful of stuff he hasn't seen. But there there does seem to be a, a, a possibility for Gase to get some type of an advantage in this one-game situation here with against Belichick. We always do five keys to the game, so I'm going to combine this last one with a couple of things, but it's going to revolve around the offensive line and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell hasn't had that breakout game just yet, and he's going up against a New England Patriots defense that has been dominant. If he can get things going on the ground, and if Sam Darnold, as we said, can play the way that he played against the Cowboys, it's going to be a real test for that Patriots defense because we know what Le'Veon Bell's capable of when he's firing on all cylinders, and we saw what Sam Darnold did against the Cowboys last week, but if this is going to happen, it is going to have to happen because the offensive line holds up. Now, they held up a lot better than most people expected last week against the Cowboys, but there's some more shuffling now. Brandon Shell, who came in as an injury replacement for Kelvin Beecham last week, is going to end up playing right tackle this week. It looks like Chumadoga will play left tackle. Adoga has looked relatively solid in his first two starts. As I said earlier in the week, he did struggle here and there, but overall, for a guy that's only made two starts in the NFL, he's been fine. Shell was really bad when he came in for Beecham, so now you wonder about what the drop-off will look like there. We don't know what to expect with Khalil and Harrison, but Khalil has not been good anyway. So you want to get passable center play from Khalil or Harrison, whoever ends up being there. Lewis is banged up. Can he continue to play the way that he has the last two weeks? That's a huge question. Brian Winters is nicked up too, and he's very inconsistent. So Le'Veon Bell and the offensive line going to be huge factors, and the offensive line is going to need to do a lot better than they did the last time the Jets played the Patriots when Jamie Collins more or less dominated all by himself. If the offensive line can play somewhere close to the way that they did against the Cowboys last week, and if Le'Veon Bell can get going early on, then this could turn out to be a real game. You know, I'm not as concerned about the offensive line anymore with Sam Darnold back because I just think he can do so many things to kind of make up for some of the weaknesses. But where it, the offensive line, no matter what, will still be a problem is in the running game. Uh, I was I was talking about this with a friend the other day, just make uh, joking that really just get your best, best five best run blockers out there and get a good run blocking line. And I don't even care about the passing blocker. I was being hyperbolic, of course, 
but you need the running game to open up holes for Le'Veon Bell so that they can actually lean on the running game at time. I'm a little less worried about it with Darnold back there, though, and the passing game just because of his ability to kind of cover up some of the problems there. But it is still going to be a huge thing uh, in the running game. You still need to try to get Le'Veon Bell going. And as good as he has looked, he still has had just so much work to do just to get minimal gains because this offensive line has done such a poor job on run blocking. So whatever the combination is of <clears throat> a doga on the right, a doga on the left, shell, whatever, Harrison Khalil, <clears throat> they need to seriously figure out a way to come up with better run blocking, be able to get some positive yards there, and then just let Sam Darnold uh, give him enough time, give him enough enough help that uh, you know he can go ahead and make plays along uh, with Le'Veon Bell. And if they can get both the passing game and the run game going, then uh, that'll bode very, very well for their chances on Monday night. All of that said, Chris, it's time for predictions. And here's mine. I'm going to say 30 to 20 Patriots. I think the Jets are going to hang in this. But eventually, the Patriots will do just enough to cover the spread and come out of MetLife Stadium with their undefeated record intact. I know that the Patriots are reeling, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but I just think that Bill Belichick is going to find enough ways to confuse Sam Darnold to keep him from being able to go off the way that he did against the Cowboys. I think Darnold will be fine, but I think that he may struggle in terms of turning the ball over in this game more so than he did against the Cowboys and certainly more so than he did against the Bills because he had no interceptions and no turnovers at all in that game. I also think that the defense is going to be able to do a relatively good job against the Patriots, but I think that Brady is going to find a way to exploit those really bad defensive backs. Even if Nate Hairston plays, he's not going to be at 100%. And on top of that, Daryl Roberts isn't any good. And if Tremaine Johnson's in at all, he's easy picking. So I think the Patriots are going to find a way to put up 30 points on the board. I think the Jets will hang around, and I think Darnold will do enough to make this respectable and competitive. But I do think the Patriots will eke out a cover of the spread here when it's all said and done. What do you think, Chris? Ah, Okay, so I got the Jets winning this game. Wow. I got I got the Jets winning 2017. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right. It, this is a timing thing. This isn't this isn't about uh, me saying the Jets are better than Patriots because they're not. This just has all the feelings of the perfect time of storm. Of it seems to happen every year with the Patriots, where at some point they're struggling, they're struggling, but they're still winning, and then they drop a game that they shouldn't uh, lose, uh, and everybody starts wondering. Are the Patriots done? Tom Brady really old? And then they end up figuring out ways to fix all their flaws and go on to win the Super Bowl. And it's the Jets right now, okay, they, they're feeling pretty good about after the Cowboys win. Uh, so you could go and say that they'll go right back to losing. And okay, fair enough. Um, the, biggest, the biggest hurdle, the biggest concern to me right now about picking the Jets to win is the fact that it's a, a primetime night game because, you know, so often the Jets in the night games don't work so well. But I just feel like this seems like one – this sets up as the perfect time for the Jets to sneak this win in, get the win, and then everyone else do what they do, questioning the, the Patriots. Patriots will turn it around and win the Super Bowl, and then the, the Jets will end up losing next week to Jacksonville, and then everyone will be wondering what the hell happened again. So, right, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a little bit of limb here and say the Jets win this game 2017. There you go, Chris, going out on a limb and predicting the Jets to win this one. My brother Craig actually predicted that yesterday when he gave his NFL picks. So this is going to be interesting. There are more people picking the Jets than I ever would have expected and a lot more people picking the Jets to beat the spread than I ever would have expected. Maybe I'm just trying to temper my expectations when I say that I think the Patriots are going to win and barely cover the spread, but we're going to find out in just a few hours because the Jets and the Patriots will do battle at MetLife Stadium, national television, Monday Night Football. Hopefully, at the very least, it's a competitive game and a fun one to attend. 
Chris, as always, thanks so much for joining me on the pregame report. Really appreciate it. I know you've got a lot of great stuff up at JetsInsider.com, and I know you're going to have plenty up after the game as well. What can people expect when they head over there? Yeah, obviously I'll have stuff about the game, uh, breaking down the game and everything there. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out to see exactly what. Uh, but next week I have, uh, I'll have something coming of on Chuma Adoga about how he's looked and how he's settling in getting into the NFL, how he's feeling. Uh, I'll have uh, I'll have a bunch of other stuff along those types of lines as well. But I'll have some good content coming out next week for you guys that I think fans will definitely really like. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, the president of the Calvin Anderson fan club, Alan Schechter at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.